0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the last installment of our series of studies on the Bible Prophecy Masterclass, where recently, we have been supporting conclusions drawn from our coverage of the 18th chapter of the Book of the Revelation. Today's 24th episode is a continuation of the discussion begun in episode number 23. Trojan Horse, Part 2, you might say. Our goal as we close out Phase 1 of this podcast being to zero in, as close as we can. So, as to identify the fifth column within the one tasked with the responsibility of setting the stage for the takedown of Babylon the Great. I am Erica, and I will be your host on this podcast finale. The fifth column. We can beat anybody on the battlefield, one American general gloated publicly during the summer of 2006 or so. By most accounts and measures, in all out war, not likely too many informed souls would argue with that assertion. Yet, on the battlefield, or not, beaten she must and will be. The means having been established in the previous discussion, the prevailing question only looms larger how? Regardless of strength and heedless of might, on the battlefield and off, the creative and clever among U.S. enemies have been devising simple but highly effective and deadly means of exploiting holes and kinks in her armor. 9 11 being perhaps a prime example, the solution becomes quite simple, does it not? Recall again the Trojan horse from Greek mythology. Fabled though it was thousands of years ago, might it not be a tale worth revisiting, in these dangerous, last times? For sure, in the 40 to 50-year span between this day, the 4th of December 2023, and the most probable day of America's doom, the enemy's ability to infiltrate, improvise and strategize will improve significantly, and dangerously. War is good for the economy. On September 11, 2001, forces led by a blonde haired and blue eyed monster breached America's security posture, completely shutting it down and bypassing it, at a critical and most dangerous time in the history of the United States of America and of the world. The black haired, gibberish speaking Arab is merely an otherwise inconsequential tool, a convenient means to an end, a scapegoat, at his complete disposal. Notwithstanding the fact that all fingers point in his direction, making him the pretext for military engagement on foreign shores. Corporate bigwigs who run the country's government and defense industries, who live, breathe and who thrive on the notion that, war is good for the economy. See sidebar. War is good for the economy. P-185. Will provoke the attack that will lead to the inevitable downfall of these United States of America. It might be argued, quite rightly, that February 26, 1993 was a precursor to the 11th of September 2001, which was without a doubt a blood-soaked, dry, run, precursory to much bigger, more far-reaching, even bloodier, things to come. It provided valuable, first-hand battlefield reconnaissance and thus the assurance that, not only does the enemy have control, but he also has the high ground from which he can dictate and take complete control of U.S. defense systems and forces, anytime he wants on his terms. The WTC incident did not happen in some remote area, at night, when and where visibility might have been obscure at best. It occurred in broad daylight, in the front yard of the heartbeat of this nation's government and defense systems, right under the noses of the nation's top officials entrusted with the oversight of either. It occurred not just following months of preparation for a national crisis, but in the midst of an exercise to prevent one while the wrong man was in charge of the country's chief defense mechanism. The enemy is us. Whatever our well-founded misgivings with him, the now-deceased white southern racist preacher Garner Ted Armstrong, who didn't believe that black people could be saved, was right. Where the establishment, white Americans in general, white leadership in particular, are concerned, in light of the foregoing, might it not easily be said, then, we have engaged the enemy, and the enemy is us. Hostile, anti-American forces without the gates will not have to find a way to overcome America's defenses. The fate of this entire nation is ultimately in the hands of a few white, native sons. Ravenous, well-positioned, well-financed, hell-spun Caucasian oil and weapons barons, among others, including bankers, it might be argued that they represent a veritable, formidable, warmongering fifth column. See the sidebar below, the fifth column, page 185, whose primary objective is to increase their stake in or to hold on to such as they have in the global economy, during the impending meltdown and doom of the United States. Not at all inconceivably, it will likely be they who will simply manage and open the floodgates dropping or dismantling all defense systems so as to let the enemy rush in, at will. Put another way, it cannot be but that their intent is to be in full charge, no question about it, Firmly at the helm, going into and during the inevitable worldwide economic collapse that will invariably rearrange the global fiscal landscape, decidedly weeding the USA out of the mix while leaving them in positions of power and influence. That bears repeating the ultimate hand being that of Almighty God, the better part of 350 million plus Americans will die by consequence of the pre planned actions of an enemy native to American shores, homegrown, already situated, and well positioned within our borders primarily being white, Anglo-Saxon, Celtic, Gothic, etc. To assist their cause by diverting attention away from the fact of their sinister involvement in U.S. affairs, they cleverly allowed for the election of the nation's first African-American to the White House's Oval Office, who had no money with which to join their elite club at the outset. And, practically nothing else to offer, that they couldn't have done without, one might add, and, who ultimately had little real clout in the establishment in which he was then paid to officiate. While in office, he, Obama, diverted attention, in that he took the heat drawing all the blame to himself for prevailing problems they both caused on the one hand, and thus, they had no intention of solving in the first place. He was ultimately not much better than a figurehead who relieved the pressure of scrutiny so as to allow for the birthing, unabated, of the crucial next step. If they decided collectively not to listen to him, the way they trumpeted their dismissal of the suggestions of General Powell, as Secretary of State, there was nothing he could do about it. Should he ever prove to have acquired too much leverage to control, the cost of blood can never be too great a price to pay for bleaching out yet another pesky encumbrance, remember Lincoln, the Kennedys, and King? They wanted U.S. involvement in that and ongoing Middle Eastern mess, which they cleverly tied to 9-11 the way Roosevelt supposedly craved World War II, having no solution for the nation's then chaotic economic situation. Still having problems contemplating and wrapping one's mind around the cruelty, associated with the fall of the United States, coming down the turnpike, as we speak, spun, and managed from the inside out, by her own? Think again, as you consider the present banking mess, in which leadership of failed financial institutions, in wanton disregard for the plight of 300 million other Americans, feasted, paid themselves fat bonuses, bought new corporate jets in celebration of the fact that they were able to cover their losses with welfare money siphoned from the pockets of taxpayers, thanks to the stupidity and poor oversight of politicians we elected, but, whom they control. These are the same greedy, robber barons who get themselves elected to office, or, who promote politicians who campaign to strip and gut legitimate programs of benefit to the needy enrolled in a welfare system for which they created the need, in the first place. They don't care about Americans, of any color, regardless of ethnicity, or national origin. Thus, whatever the role of the Taliban, Al-Qaeda or any other terrorist organization in the downfall of our precious Babylon the Great, it is the hand hired to man the gates of the nation's crucial security forces and systems that will actually pull the plug on America's vital lifeline. The death of the United States of America will be, therefore, largely a matter of Trojan horses and fifth-column-led initiatives, more so than the exclusive work of external hostile forces. Conclusion. Seeds of Destruction. Without Question. Much more could and perhaps should be said about 9-11 and all of the events leading up to it including blatant cover-ups involving lockouts which barred even inspectors from first-hand investigation of evidence on site. They were given only select pieces of materials, to be examined at off-site locations. The Inquisitive were met with threats of arrest for anyone caught near the site's photographing. The swift removal of hundreds of tons of steel, tagged with GPS tracking devices, saw tower materials carted to pre-arranged facilities, before being shipped overseas to buyers in China and India, who paid up to $40 per ton less than the $160 per ton some American buyers were willing to pay all this, while keeping the public completely in the dark, except for select bits and pieces of information filtered to the public more to confuse and to mislead, than to enlighten or to inform. Suffice it to say that, the preponderance of evidence presented here is more than enough to prove that the felling of the Twin Towers and WTC7 were not the brainchild of Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, Hamas, or any other terrorist group whatever their involvement. Rather, the World Trade Center and its construction blunders, 9-11, the notion that war is good for the economy, and our current involvement in Iraq and Afghanistan all represent a dovetailing of events and ideological assumptions that, as such, Are illustrative of the fact that arrogant, cocky, bigoted white America, per the will and foreknowledge of an angry, all powerful God, has for years been sowing the seeds of its own destruction. The God sanctioned, evil planters and cold blooded, reptilian farmers of those seeds, currently salivating and licking their chops in anticipation of a not too distant future harvest, soaked in blood, are their own cold hearted, predominantly white American sons and daughters, not radical Muslims. Being an inside job, it is therefore not a question of who or whether, as it is now simply a matter of when. Those seeds of destruction are now beyond ready to blossom. The time of a God ordained harvest is clearly on the horizon. All that is needful is the water of a signal from the hand of God. Today, even as we speak, the perpetrator lurks, basking in the shadows, sheltered by, among other things, perhaps, the relative calm afforded by the Obama election his own turmoil, notwithstanding, watching blinded fools in America point fingers of accusation at the foolish purveyors of so-called radical Islam. Furthermore, if one must question further the practicality of this reasoning, let it be, what stroke of, genius, will they implement this time? What exploitable kinks and weaknesses have they built into armor they have fashioned, on which we are being conned daily into hanging, false, hopes, contrived according to their specifications? that canon will be effortlessly implemented from within, as the world's only remaining true superpower topples, under the weight of its own self-intoxicating stupor, security forces fully intact, but otherwise rendered useless. No doubt, we shall see and that, per the will of God, very soon. Until then, the inhabitants of Babylon the great particularly the white races, hypocritical, Christian, and non-Christian alike, all hated and despised of the very soul of the Almighty are not if not dead men walking, exactly as God predicted, 2,000 years ago, by the lips of John the Revelator. Sidebar number 1. The Perfect Crime. Premeditated, carefully orchestrated and exquisitely choreographed, perhaps, September 11, 2001, was the year of the perfect crime a high-level, high-profiled, highly visible mass murder, based upon a masterfully crafted, Planned screw up. Deliberated in utmost secrecy, carried out in broad daylight, before the eyes of an entire, watching world. And although much, much smaller in scope, it surpassed Hitler, Rwanda, and Milosevic. If for no other reason than that it was a brazen act that occurred, in the one place on earth it should never have, and under circumstances that should never have permitted it. Worse still, this crime cannot but be a precursor to a worse, more hellish day. Yet to come this time, not for a few thousand, as rather it will entail the blood of the better part of three hundred fifty million souls. And as if that's not bad enough, from here God's end times saga only gets worse. With the insurance money paid out as our model, how much is the gore of the American soul worth on the open market of the world? To one who can bring the entire nation beyond its knees to its deathbed, in May of two thousand seven. Larry Silverstein was awarded $4.68 billion in blood money, on an initial investment of only $15 million, in the WTC, he is said to have worked diligently to restructure his insurance policy so that his new properties were terrorist-protected, following acquisition of his stake only a few months earlier in the spring of 2001. In addition, Mr Silverstein is said to have confessed to ordering the destruction of WTC 7. Why? According to another source, Wikipedia, the World Trade Center project was originally proposed in 1943 and to be built in NYC. It was David Rockefeller who suggested building, by the Port Authority, in Lower Manhattan, to stimulate urban renewal. A 1998 move by the Port Authority to generate revenue for other port projects by privatizing the WTC was finalized when its objective to lease dut the buildings to a private management company was met. The lease was awarded at that time to Silverstein Properties, for $3.22 billion, in July 2001 a $3.25 billion bid by Varnado Realty Trust having been withdrawn. Sidebar number 2. War. It's good for the economy. While online, one decided to research that expression, war is good for the economy. The hope was to find some lead that would be a throwback to the one person, a political pundit, Known to have made that statement several years ago, one found with measurable alarm that such thinking is not isolated, as rather, it is common and commonly accepted knowledge throughout the political and industrial arenas of even a nation like America. Whatever else it demonstrated, the Cold War years showed that where there is no fighting amongst the nations, massive defense industries geared only for war have to either find new applications for their talents and technologies or, shut down altogether meaning, of course, a loss of jobs, loss of an essential edge or foundational ingredient for strong national defense in a world that will never know peace left to its own devices, and, needless to say, loss of huge government-funded fortunes, based upon the never-ending shedding of blood. Sidebar number three. The fifth column. These people and operatives know the white American mindset. They live it. They know that the egotistical American white man would be so self-absorbed, his bigoted thinking so jaded that, given the psychological impact and ramifications of 9-11 in terms of what, how and how much information was released and fed to the media and to the public, he would never be able to reason his way out of any corner into which he had been painted. He would never figure out what just hit him. In addition, he would never guess and therefore rationalize or even face the horror of the prospect that one of his own was trying to kill him his racist delusions of superiority to other races makes him an easy target subject to ready exploitation ripened for a relentless slaughter by men and women who look like he does sidebar number 4 the towers infrastructure according to several sources there were 59 vertical support beams around the perimeter of all four walls at each of the twin towers plus one column at each corner bevel, for a total of 240 columns bearing up to 50% of the tower weights all of these, plus 47 massive core columns, positioned so as to handle 30% and 20% of the remaining weight would have had to have been cut exactly the same way, at precisely the same time. The design of the tower skeletons allowed them to hold and withstand many times the weight of the towers. Much information about the internal design of the towers is closely guarded, and. Hard to come by. And, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We have reached the conclusion of that portion of the Bible Prophecy Masterclass, we could call it Phase 1. Tied to the book Judgment Day, Volume 1. Prelude to Armageddon, Part 1. The United States of America in Bible Prophecy, the writer being Mr. Alvin Mitchell. While, to be sure, the collapse and destruction of Babylon the Great is to be the first globe shaking, major event that officially opens the door onto the road to Armageddon, on God's prophetic calendar, we may rest equally assured that it is far from the most significant. At the end of the day, it might well be argued that the overarching objective per the plans of the Almighty is, visibility, namely, His. With Babylon reduced to eternal ruins, leaving Israel alone and vulnerable to attack from all of her bloodthirsty enemies, The way will be cleared for the advancement of that visibility on the backs of an otherwise hapless nation, the Jews, the details of which are covered primarily in the works of Ezekiel the prophet. Make plans, won't you, to join us for phase two of this podcast, where and when we will dissect God's intent to elevate Himself in the eyes of men by threading a needle that leads them to a death trap, bringing them to their knees at the feet of His beleaguered people, in the face of overwhelming odds aimed at their imminent destruction. Until then, may God bless you.